Welcome to No Picks After Dark, Baltimore Sun's best podcast of 2020, voted by you, the listeners. No Picks After Dark seeks to build a community based on human experience, storytelling, and conversation. Now your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Um, this person is known in the Northeast, maybe all of Baltimore community. Uh, I have so many people that have been telling me, you have to interview this person. And I'm like, who is this person? In every, the, every interview, anybody from Northeast Baltimore, they said, you got an interview. Bliss Meadows, man. Bliss Meadows. We don't know Bliss Meadows. We don't have a medal in Baltimore. I don't know what you're talking about. It's Tia. She 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 got things going on. I said, who is this lady that everybody keeps on telling me about that I don't know who she is? So without further ado, it is an honor and pleasure to have on a No Pigs After Dark podcast. Miss Tia, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your your podcast. I feel I'm I'm an honored guest here. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure, mine. Seriously, I mean, you are. I I've, I was checking you on social media, and you, I mean, you're on interviews at the interviews, and I'm like, as long as I can fit in for like 45 minutes, I think I can get in for an interview. So I'm so excited to get you on here. Um, again, you are a very busy person. So enough of me talking. This is a show about you. Okay. Um, tell listeners about you. Give people a little background about you and who you are and where you're from. And are you from Baltimore? And give a little background so we can get know who you are. Yeah. So um, I'm originally from North New Jersey. I moved to Baltimore. My father say uh, I got on a first thing smoking after I graduated high school. So I've been here since 2005, 2006. Um, and, you know, I initially did not like living in Baltimore, you know, coming from up north, like everything is fast paced. And I just felt Baltimore was too slow. Everything closed at nine o'clock. There were no corner stores. I was like, what is this country town? (laughs) But it has definitely grown on me. I've come to love it so much so that now, like when I go visit my family in Jersey, like I can't wait to come back home because I'm like, it's too busy up here. There's like too many people. Why are there crowds everywhere? Why is everything still open? Everybody needs to go home and go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) so um I was raised by a single father my mom passed away when I was eight years old so my dad has been you know in the daily grind raising me and we had you know our those formative teen years uh where we kind of grew apart and I wanted to be independent and do what I wanted to do and he was like not in my house so um (laughs) and you know even when I left after high school it took like I didn't talk to him for like two years because I felt like I had to do things by myself I had to be on my own this independent um but now we talk at least once a year i mean not once a year once a month wow what am i saying once oh okay <laughs> okay 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 i was sweating over here once for a second a week. <laughs> what am i saying um we talk once a week and he, he's like my best friend so um you know it, it took a while for us to get here but we're here and um you know i have a young family my husband and my two kids i have a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son Corey and kai um uh, Corey was actually born in Baltimore. Kai was born in Florida when we lived down there for about two years, and then we came back. Um, and when we came back, I really just wanted something for us to do that involved us being outdoors. And so we started a garden at home. 
Um, I grew up, my grandmother had a garden in her backyard in Jersey, and I always wanted to garden. And so I got my daughter involved in that. And she will not eat a vegetable from the store, but she will definitely eat a tomato off of a plant that, you know, she's, she has seen grow. Um, and so, you know, through a lot of failure with a home garden, <laughs> um, I kind of gave up a little bit and I was like, I'm not growing any produce this year. I'm just going to grow flowers. Um, and that kind of has spiraled into us now running an urban farm here. Nice. So urban farm, urban yeah. farming. I mean, wow. Uh, I'm blown away from everything I've read about what you got going on. And then I did a little investigation of the urban farming all around the U.S. And I really like everything behind it. So to give the listeners, what's, what's Bliss Meadows? What is this place? What is urban Bliss Meadows? I mean, what is it? So Bliss Meadows is uh, the primary project of our nonprofit organization, Backyard Base Camp. Um, and Backyard Base Camp was started initially to uh, reconnect Black, Indigenous, and people of color back to nature and back to land. Um, and that came about because when I got interested in nature and being outdoors, I would take like all these classes because I was a sponge and I just wanted to soak it all up. And I was always the only black person or one of the only black people in the room. And I was like, where are my people at? Like, what is, where, where we at? Um, and so I had to basically relearn history about, you know, what it's like to be a black person outside. And, um, you know, now, of course, in the times that we're in now, you know, where people are just getting shot left and right just for simply being, um, you know, it's always been an element of danger for Black people to be outdoors. And so uh, through history, our ancestors and our grandparents have told us not to be out there because it's not safe for us. And so we're really trying to reframe that narrative and reclaim nature for uh, communities of color because we belong there. And historically, prior to colonization, we were people of the land. We lived off the land. So I just want to get us back to that and get more folks that look like me leading workshops and um, get the kids interested in, in doing public school programs. And so that's kind of how that started. And then Bliss Meadows uh, came about because uh, when I was doing one of these naturalist classes, I had to find a place that's close to where I live. And I had to go there every day and observe nature. And that's kind of like how you become a naturalist, right? So um I was like, oh, I live on Moravia Road. Like, there's no nature here. <laughs> like, I'm not going to find anything exciting on Moravia Road. So I, like, pulled up our house on Google Maps, and I zoomed out, and I saw this park, Barbara and Parkwood Park. And I was like, um, we don't have any parks around here. Google Maps needs to, like, update their list because <laughs> this is not a thing. And so the next day, I was like, let me see what's around there, though. Like, I'm pretty sure it's not a park anymore, so let me just go see what's there. And lo and behold, Oh, there is a park. It's a uh, it's a seven acre wooded area, and so I kind of like traipsed through there, and I followed the deer trail, and I came out to this like meadow with some ponds, and I was like, well, "Have I just entered the gates of Narnia? Where am I?" <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so um, I contacted this organization called Baltimore Green Space, and I talked with Katie, and I asked her questions like, "How do you um, conserve land? Like, I want we have this land in." my neighborhood and I want to make sure that it doesn't get developed. What's the process? What does that look like? Um, and so she came out, Katie came out and she showed me, you know, like uh, she told me like what they kind of do with putting land into the land trust. And she said, since it's a city park, it should kind of be protected. And she hooked me up with the, um, the people at Baltimore city recs and parks. And, you know, uh, we formed a friends of group for this park. And now we're in there. Um, that gives us rights to be in there, creating trails and removing invasive species and replanting native species. 
Yankees. And then um, she showed me how to find the owner of the other wing because it is a separate property where the ponds are. Um, and we for, uh, crafted him a letter and I like told him about all the work I do as a pediatric nurse, as a nature educator, one in to reclaim nature for my people. And the landowner was like, absolutely do what you want. That's, you know, I love that idea. That's something that I wanted to get started anyway, but I don't live in Baltimore, so I can't do that. Um, and plus I'm a white guy and this is a black neighborhood and I don't feel like that's my place. <laughs> oh, right, hold on. Let, let, let's, let, let's, let's, let's rewind that real quick. Let's rewind that. Cause you dropped a lot of jewels. You dropped a lot of knowledge. <laughs> so, you know, every, you know, I mean, I, I I'm not a hiker. I'm not, I'm not an explorer like that, but that's pretty cool that you went out and looked and saw it on your map to give people uh -huh. a real quick background. Cause I have a lot of listeners that aren't from Baltimore. So mm. I, I want to give them a little quick background. So Moravia road is one sure. of the main corridor corridors on the Northeast side of Baltimore. Uh, it, it goes uh, from Morgan state university all the way to 95 and it's a heavily traveled corridor. Um, to get from east to west, and then turns into Cold Spring Lane. And to find yeah. a park in that area is pretty hard. It's pretty much houses on top of houses on top of houses, and or lots or schools or strip malls, right. things of nature. So for you to find something that like sounds like a Narnia is amazing to me. Um, also, a white guy gave you some land. <laughs> can, can we can we talk about that? Because. Because I'm trying, I, I'm, I, you said you, you wrote a letter and and, he, and, then, and that's the thing about Baltimore, people don't realize. Baltimore, a lot of these people own these land, don't live here. They don't live, they came and bought all this land and rolled out and said, we're going to hold it until, wow. until we, until somebody, you know, comes in, wants to develop and then we'll sell it. You know, that, that's a lot yeah. all throughout Baltimore City. And unfortunately, that's has happened. But how, what was your first contact with this white gentleman? And what, what's the white gentleman's <laughs> name? Because we got to give him a shout out for even giving you love, giving us love <laughs> to even give us a property. But how did that conversation go? Please help us out. Um. So, you know, it really took a while to get to that point. Um. So I worked with Katie a lot on like formulating a letter because I am a little bit of a perfectionist and I was like, it has to be perfect. I want to say the right things. Like I want him to say yes. Um. And so, you know, we, there was like one night and for some reason I just could not sleep. And I was just thinking about this letter and this man. And then I was like, in my mind, I'm like, who is this freaking guy that owns this big piece of property in my neighborhood that he's not doing anything with? And I turned to Dr. Google and <laughs> I searched his name and um, come to find out he was like really involved in Baltimore. He started some organizations for like getting resources to homeless folks. He was the president of a couple of uh, foundations here. He was the president of Maryland nonprofits. His name is Greg Cantori. And his idea for the land was to create um, a tiny house demonstration project. So to show people that like, you know, what it looks like to live in a tiny house and what a tiny house actually looks like, how big they are, how small they are actually. <laughs> but like people can really be there. And it was going to be like a tiny home project for uh, the housing insecure, which is, it seems cool. Um, but there are a lot of laws in Baltimore City which prevent tiny houses from even being a thing. So he wasn't able to move forward with that project. So he just had this land sitting there. And I guess he was, he did put on RFP for somebody to do like a tiny house uh, homestead and he didn't really get any traction with that. And so I found all these things uh, the day 
day before I sent him the letter. And I was like, holy mackerel. <laughs> like, this is exactly what I want to do. Minus, you know, the tiny house homesteading thing. I don't want to live in a tiny house because I have, there's four of us and that's a lot. Um, and so I kind of like, I formulated the letter and I like looked at the RFP in detail that he put out. And I was like, and I basically emailed him because his email address was there. And I was like, hey, where are you stand on this property? This is what I do. This is what I want to do with the land. We do have a friends of group for the park behind the space. It would be lovely to incorporate this two and a half acres. So then we'll have like nine and a half acres, you know, to, to create like some kind of urban ecology environmental education center with an urban farm with all these gardens we can show people how to garden harvest um and prepare some food and then he like emailed me back the next day and we, we like had a phone call and we talked for about an hour and a half then we met in person he actually lives on a boat with his wife um, <laughs> because they have a little tiny house too tiny house boat um and so it, it has just been amazing like once I made the um, decision to commit to this project, everything has kind of fallen into place and the stars have aligned. And once we got his formal permission to basically do what we want to do on this land, we were kind of walking around. And then I noticed the house next door was vacant and the gears in my mind started turning again. And I was like, wouldn't it be nice to have <laughs> some indoor space? We can have a bathroom. We can create a kitchen so we can teach people how to cook meals and prepare wild edible medicinal herbs, you know, do some canning classes, do some other kind of workshops, have some indoor growing space. So we can show people what it's like to grow things indoors, grow mushrooms, do hydroponics, aquaponics, all that jazz. And the people on my team were like, sure. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> through the same process that I used to find the owner of that two and a half acres, I found the people who own this vacant house. Um, and I wrote them a letter and I sent it to them certified and um, they called me and we had a meeting and I was like, this is what we want to do. And they were like, you know what? We love the project. We were farmers at one point in time. This is our great grandfather's house. Unfortunately, we can't afford to keep it up. So, you know, if you can come up with $50,000, we will sell it to you because they had an offer um, already on the table from a developer. And so I was like, well, how am I going to find? And $50,000, like, I ain't got that kind of money. And my husband pushed me to you to do a GoFundMe. And I was like, ooh, nobody's going to support me. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to give us that amount of money. But I did start the GoFundMe. And we were able to raise $60,000 in less than a month um, to purchase that house. And now we're working on renovating <laughs> I'm speechless over here. I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. Because <laughs> that, that leads me into my next question. I mean, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, um, that's, that's, that's amazing. I love hearing stuff like that in less than a month, 60 grand. Yep. So that leads me to my question. Days, actually. How has the community, like, I mean, how did you get the word out? How did you get the community involved? So what I, when I initially started the GoFundMe, um, I am pretty close with our community association president, Barbara Jackson. And since I kind of started working in the forest already and trying to like get things going with the woods, um, I have been working with her anyway. And I kind of like have been updating her about the progress. And um, then I told her about this other land and I was like, we got this vacant house that we want to get out of the neighborhood and we want to renovate it and make it this thing. And she was like, I fully support you. Just let me know what you need. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll let you know. So I started the GoFundMe and I just like, I shared it out and I asked other people to share it out. And, and I remember, you know, 
um, there was a, a conference that I went to, the Children and Nature Network conference out in California. Um, and I was out there and like the whole conference, I'm like running around, like, who do I need to talk to? We have this, with this fundraiser going who should I talk to? Who can I connect with? Where's the money at <laughs> in, the, in the environmental sector? And, you know, well, that's what conferences are for, right? Networking. And so I got pointed in the direction of so many people to like talk to and share the story with. And then, you know, I emailed them immediately that night and they would like email their people and share it out. So it was really um, a broad constellation network of folks who were just like sharing the fundraising and continuously sharing and personally emailing people um, that really got us to that goal. And I remember the first donation we got that was like $1,000. And I was like, oh, people got that much money to just give away to other people? <laughs> there's, a lot, there's, and, um, there's, there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of money, as you see. Yes, yes. And then, you know, we got like $3,000 challenge donations. So like people would say like, I'll give you $3,000 if you can raise $3,000. And so I'm like, all right, y'all, we got to raise $3,000 this weekend. <laughs> How can we do that? Help me out. And um, I did a lot of like networking with uh, folks I know in the environmental space or people who in, who like nature, period, like people who own their own um, businesses, who like make, um, make books or they make soaps or they make games, they make whatever. And I'm like, hey, I'm doing this fundraiser. Would you be willing to offer something for free? Like as a, um, kind of like as a prize for folks who donate on this special day. Um, and so we got a lot of donations for that. And so that kind of drove people to donate because they wanted to win something special. Um, so that's that's how that whole month went. And I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. <laughs> but we did it. And it's it's been such amazing. It's so amazing. We're going to do, we're gonna do the golf plot, the, the golf golf claws right here. Because I mean, I'm telling you, that's thank you. That that's hustling right there. That that's a hustling mentality to get that quickly. But you know what? It's a great cause, and Baltimore yep. needs something like this. Well, and that's why I'm just so excited to have you on because we need positivity out here. We need something for our kids to do, learn, learn something new, something exciting that's out there that other kids might have better opportunities to. You know, and that's why I love hearing what you're doing right now. Okay, so so here we go. I got some. So my next question. Who taught you about urban farming? Like, where did you get this from? I mean, I mean, I know you said you, you, you had a passion for it, but I mean, I got a passion to be a gardener, but I'm, I don't know what the first thing to do. So like, who taught you, you know, about this? Like, who got you? Like, was there a training guide? Was there like a page one, page two, page five? I mean, help us out here. <laughs> you know, um, my grandmother, like I said, had a garden um, up in New Jersey and we just had like a tiny strip in our back backyard and I have really positive memories of being in this little strip of gardening, um, being like in the kitchen with my aunt and my grandmother, kind of like cleaning off the collard greens and shucking the peas and like doing all that stuff. And like, you know, as I grew up and when I had my daughter, I was like, I've got I want to have a garden. I want to have a garden. And for years I tried to grow things and everything died. And I was like, I have a brown thumb. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not even going to try try but I kept trying every year and you know people were like oh you need to start with tomatoes and so I started tomatoes and then they died and I was like stop telling people to start with tomatoes because they are diva plants and they suck so they need to be like your third plant <laughs> and so um the next year I started growing lettuce and lettuce just loves you back so much um and like once I had like all these kind of different lettuce mixes and they were just growing like crazy and I like all I did was like I put a 
pallet down and I filled that pallet with dirt and I put my little lettuce seeds in there and they grew like crazy. And like I would cut them and I would eat the salad and then it would just grow back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can grow anything. (laughs) And then like that really kind of was my springboard, just being really successful at growing lettuce. And I was like, all right, I'm going to grow everything now. And, you know, the book Farming While Black came out and I read that book and there's a whole chapter in there dedicated to George Washington Carver and, you know, all the things that he did in regards to agriculture. And, you know, I just knew him at the time as the guy who invented peanut butter. Um, But he has done so much in the agricultural space and the environmental space that I didn't even know about. And I was like, well, what the hell? <laughs> Where has this history been? You just um, taught me something. You, you just taught me something. You just taught me something. Oh, we got we got we got the got, got the people in the background telling us say what's up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the little one. <laughs> There's so much more. Like the reason why how he invented peanut butter is, be, is because the peanut plant is a nitrogen fixer for the soil, and he like invented Tuskegee University, and he's like the grandfather of extension services um, that, you know, are offered through these land-grant universities. And so, you know, just learning that history. And I was like, I I never knew this. And I was like, well, what else don't I know? And so I basically had to relearn a lot of history um, and reconnect with my own history. And so you may not think that growing is in your blood, but it is in your blood. Like I said, historically, we lived off the land. We were a tribal folk. We you know, that's all we had. We were hunter gatherers. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's in us. It's just, we just have to remember these things. Um, and that kind of led me into like a personal, um, black history month thing, like last February, 2019, you know, I was thinking of, you know, how people do the social media thing, like, Oh, for this black history month, I'm going to honor X, Y, Z. And as I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know what? I know more about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks than I know about my own grandfather. And so I really did like a deep dive into my own black history. Um, and that looked like having interviews, like calling my grandmother and calling my uncle. I have a 93 year old uncle, 94 now he's 94. He lives in Miami and he told me so much family history. I never even knew about. Um, so really like connecting with family members and really reconnecting to myself. Um, has, you know, been like a grounding sort of thing. And this was all happening like right before I started this project. So I got grounded in myself first in order to help, you know, my community. I love, I love hearing that. That That's, that's beautiful. That is a really beautiful thing. I like that. That's something that uh, my family, we, we did, my uncle, he did all that tracing and whatnot. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, learning your heritage and where you're coming from. Um, um, my last name is actually uh, the English name. And we are our slave name was mm-hmm. they got got changed to an English name. So it's interesting. They learn these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, just learn from history. So who um so did you have to do like any USDA training, anything like that? Like to get any certifications? Um, are you like any grants or like how does that all work? I mean, you're doing a farming. I mean, USDA, I'm sure they want to they want yeah. that cut or something like that in this. So how does that work? They all the government <laughs> want their money. Um, so when I, (laughs) there they, everybody wants their money. So initially, because I was more of like a a nature environmental educator, I did the, um, the Maryland master naturalist program It's similar to the master gardener program, but they focus more on the ecology of Maryland and not so much planting things. Um, and so that's where I started and I haven't done the master gardener 
program. And I am, we are a member, Bliss Meadows is a member of the Farm Alliance of Baltimore. I work closely with those folks. And I also work closely with the uh, University of Maryland Extension Service to figure out what we need to do as an, as an urban farm and like all the laws and certifications that we need. And there are a couple that we haven't received yet because we're so new. We just started last year um, and we're working on getting those right now. Um, but as far as like the learning aspect, like there's a lot of growing classes. And even like once COVID started, a lot of virtual gardening classes popped up. Um, DC has a really, really good one that talks about like food justice um, and, you know, how to garden. Because wow. wow. <laughs> I, I know that um, you guys now I see it online and you you and I talk over email about it. Mm-hmm. What's this thing with you guys doing like a um, food, like a food give out or for vegetables. Give, me, give, us, give, me, yeah. give, me, give me a little plug about that. So that's with, uh, that's a partnership that we have through the Common Market, which is an organization based in Pennsylvania. Um, and what they basically, it's like a USDA um, Farmers to Families program. And so I, I'm assuming, I don't really know all the ins and outs of but I'm assuming the USDA has paid these farmers for their produce so that they don't waste it. I'm sure you've read those stories of like farmers having to dump their milk or get rid of their vegetables before they rot on the vine because there was nobody to come and like pick the fruit. Um, so the USDA is paying these farmers for their produce and organizations like the Common Market are boxing up these things. And then the Common Market is sending those boxes to organizations who are then distributing them to people. So it's like an entire chain inner workings of things. And so we are just one of the food box distributors and we just distribute to folks in the neighborhood who need it, elderly people. I literally like am driving to people's houses and handing them door to going door to door, dropping off these boxes. And that's been like another form of community engagement for us as, you know, we talk about, you know, what's in the box, recipes that they may have, um, you know, if they have any questions and we talk about the Bliss Meadows project and how there'll be a farm, you know, in the neighborhood soon that they can come to and, is also going to be community green space. You can just come out and hang out if that's what you want to do. Um, it's, it's been a really, really nice partnership. And so we get about 300 boxes a week and we're able to get those out in at least like an hour and a half. That's, that's a beautiful thing because when I'm, a, I'm not going to lie, when I was yeah. growing up, you know, um, fresh vegetables and things are amazing. But, you know, my grandmother, God mm-hmm. bless her soul, she used to have cans. <laughs> Cans of peas, cans of carrots, cans of greens. So just hearing this is a different mindset. I love it. I love hearing about it. You know, educating yourself about fresh produce, how delicious, like where certain things are. And like mm-hmm. you, sometimes, I mean, I don't remember being educated on that. I really don't. Um, and I've gone to good schools, but yeah. now I'm thinking about it. I had to hear from somebody else, I feel like, or a friend or get taught or teach my own self, yeah. like. So who was, was there a mentor or a mentee for you out there that you've been like working with? Because I'm looking at like, I'm proud that you are doing your thing as a black woman, got your, got urban farm to me and to maybe my listeners, it maybe sound a little foreign, you know, um, how did you get, did you have a mentee? Yeah. How did you, you know, as a black woman doing this, did you have somebody you could look up to famous or somebody mm-hmm. that, that you could reach out and say, Hey, I mean, what, how'd you go? What are your trials and tribulations that you've gone through? You know? Help us out with that. I understand that. Yeah. I actually have a couple of mentors and I go to them based on what my needs are. So if there's like a nonprofit question, I have my nonprofit mentors. If there's an urban farmer question, I have my urban farming mentors. Um, I'm in a couple of farming groups. I had to do when I had to, but I did the beginner farmer training program. 
that's offered through Future Harvest. Um, so I have that group I can lean on, which is like a couple of newer gardeners. There's also some experienced folks in the group. Um, Leah Penniman from Soul Fire Farm, author of Farming Wild Black. She is one of my mentors. Um, there's a group that I'm in with them called the Northeast Farmers of Color. That's specifically for um, farmers of color. <laughs> and, you know, we ask questions. It's a Google group. We ask questions in that group, you know, like, hey, I'm coming up against this. And, you know, people are looking for land. They put it through there. There's also the rep map that they um, have put together. So people are looking to donate funds to Black or Black Indigenous or people of color who are looking for land. They can go to this reparations map, either offer them land or offer them, open your purse, offer them some money. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, there's uh, a couple of nature-based organizations and, and folks who I look to. So um, I'm interested in this thing called bird language, which is like um, where you basically pay attention to the birds and what causes they're doing and that's kind of how you know what's going on around you whether there's a predator in the area there's a person coming there's a dog coming birds can tell you hold on hold on, hold on. So sorry, sorry, I sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't mean I don't mean I yeah, we got back it up. up we got back it up <laughs> say that for the people over time because you you blow you, you're dropping too many this might be a two-part series right here because you're dropping a lot of jewels right now you you just said birds got callings I, I know they do but predators and Help me, I mean, yeah. I'm a little lost on yeah. that. I, I just hear birds yeah. waking me up in the morning time. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. Birds are like really, really exciting. Um, there's like bird watcher people who just like want to look at birds and identify the birds. But there's also people who just like appreciate birds for what they are. And I am one of those people. I was not historically, like I grew up, like I said, in North New Jersey. And to me, all birds were uh, pigeons and crows up until like four years ago <laughs> when I found out that there are so many more birds that I need to be thinking about. Um, and so just once you like get outside and you start observing the patterns of what's happening around you and you start like seeing different things, um, you can tell like when birds, like when a paired bird mate are just like talking to each other, when they're talking to other birds, when there's a hawk in the neighborhood, if there's a cat coming, if there's a dog coming, if there's a snake slithering through, just based on like their calls, how frequent they are, how less frequent they are, um, where they are at the time when these things are happening. If they're, if a ground nesting bird flies up into a tree, that means there's a ground braced predator coming. If a um, ground nesting bird is in a tree and flies to the ground, that means there's an aerial one, an aerial predator about like a hawk or a falcon, or we have eagles too. Um, so based on like how they're acting at the time, you can really like figure out what's happening we might have to do a show this on birds i'm not gonna say I'm, I'm, I'm being dead serious because i because i saw you do i saw you had a class um and it was like a whole bunch of african-american americans doing uh bird watching and they had young kids coming out there with you guys and we're gonna you know mm -hmm. we're gonna do a whole we're gonna do a whole episode now we're going that's a whole episode. let's let's do it because that's that's let's real do right? it. you know we just got finished doing um black birders that. week uh that we just were a part of or co-organizing um with a couple of uh black naturalists and so that was in response to what happened to christian cooper right. in central park and after you know while we were organizing for that the whole george floyd thing happened and we were like dang we can't even organize to, in response to one black trauma before another one happens and so during black birders week we were just highlighting a lot of black scientists because like, you don't really see that many that many of us and so many of us just wanted to be veterans like not veterans but veterinarians but because that's the only um 
that's the only job that we knew of that worked with animals, but there's like so much more you can do with like field ecology and research and zookeeping. And there's like so many of us in this group and we like really wanted to highlight that work. I need that. that that's, that's a whole different podcast right there. We're going, we're going, we're going to do that next time. <laughs> I like that. You just get, you, we're going to do that because you just opened a whole new world to me. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to come back yeah. to that though. We're going to come back. So bliss, we're going back to bliss, slide back to bliss. We're going to slide back to bliss to what you got going on. All right. So, wow. You, so now you have this beautiful acres of land mm-hmm. and you have people donating and you you know, now how is that working now with this with the guy who owns the property? Are you trying to buy the property from him? Is he trying to lease the property from you guys? How is that working that that relationship with this guy? Yeah, so right now we have a long term lease. It's about fifteen years. So um, we're we're just you know we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, you know we'll be able to either purchase it or he'll donate it to us. Um, we'll see what that looks like. He said prior that he has no interest in owning anything. So we're hoping. They'll just donate it to us and it can be a part of our, under our umbrella. Now, how has the Northeast community responded to you? Because, you know, I have this community-based show and I try to you know incorporate the community a lot. How has the Northeast um, just supported you? Because I've seen a lot of things on social media, but from your words, mm-hmm. wh- how do you feel? Oh, I think Northeast Baltimore has really embraced the project. I think people are really excited about it. Um, a lot of folks from Northeast, when we were doing our fundraiser, they were the ones who shared it out and emailed their people. Um, there has been, um, you know, some of the restaurants on, you know, Harford Road, Main Street have been wanting to purchase our produce. Um, you know, we got connected with Nicole Foster, the market at Montebello. So we were there like selling that produce. Um, Northeast has really, really embraced us. Um, and we're really th- grateful for that. And so we try to em- engage as much as possible. We're we can, where we have the capacity to. We are still a volunteer-run organization. Everybody who works with us has a full-time job. So, um, you know, as much as we can, we, we try to give back. We try to be there for people. Um, you know, I still work as a nurse on the weekends. And so, you know, and everybody else, like I said, has their own full-time job. So, you know, we really want to be responsive and, um, you know, engage with as many people as possible, as, as much as it makes sense to. Now, I saw something that you... Uh... And guessing your plans, you guys were planning, and you might say a little early in the, in the conversation. I think you did. Um, you guys were looking maybe to like do like that house, redo the house, and make it for like educational purposes. Is that mm-hmm. one of the long term goals for education? And have you connected with Baltimore City Schools and said, "Hey, let's have these kids come take a tour so they can understand there are urban farms. You don't have to go out to Sparks. You don't have to go out to Howard County to go to a farm." We have one right here and maybe have a program set up through Baltimore City of having kids learning farms and learning how to do trades. Have you guys have you guys gotten that far? I know you're in the beginning stages, but are those some of these thoughts that you Yeah. We've talked to a couple of schools around us. There is, um, so there's, uh, what is around us? There's Gardenville, there's Baltimore International Academy, Hazelwood, Moravia Park, the Green School of Baltimore. So we're really trying to focus on the schools that are closer to us so that the um the field trip fees won't be that exorbitant because it costs a lot for a bus so um we have been engaging with those principals and the teachers there um trying to figure out what programming could look like for schools um there is a city owned um a city schools own farm great kids farm but it's all the way out in catonsville so um it's not as accessible as people would like it to be so i think a lot of the farms in the city are 
are trying to come together and figure out how we can all work together to create like a really good field trip environment for all of the schools around us. And, you know, we can handle the Northeast schools. There's a couple of farms in the Northeast and, you know, maybe somebody on the West side can handle the schools on the West side. Um, and so we've been been talking about like what that's going to look like for us, you know, to work together in that aspect and who's going to kind of handle that program. I love that because I feel like we kids need to know about the health and wellness of mm-hmm. fresh vegetables. And mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Um, that's something that I, that, you know, you see, and Nicole and I have talked about this. You see yeah. uh, McDonald's in each corner. You see a, no, and nothing is McDonald's. You see a fast food joint every corner. You see one and mm-hmm. a lot of these communities. And it's like, why can't I have a Nelly Fresh? Yeah. Why can't I have healthy food, a healthy alternative here? And I love that you, you, your place could be that alternative that's right around the corner yeah. for healthy food, healthy vegetables, learning how to cook, learning how to braise, grill vegetables and stuff like that. And so kudos yeah. to you guys on that, on that route to make that happen. Thank you. I know they just opened the checkers down the street and it like broke my heart. Their grand opening, it was like a line around the corner. And I was like, oh, what if we had like, you know, a Whole Foods or a Super right. Fresh or, you know, like one of those healthier <laughs> options, like a Panera Bread or something, um, you know, because like you said, Moravia Road goes straight to 95. That is like the perfect place for, you know, one of those healthier options. But nope, we got to check this. So I'm going to skip around a little bit. So um, what are you hearing from the, like, this is a crazy time we're living in. You know, this is COVID. We got just everything's going on at once. It's like a perfect storm for everything, you know, uh, with George Floyd and everybody in COVID and people losing jobs. What are you hearing from your other farmers? Because I mean, I'm, from what I'm hearing, this is what I'm hearing, is that everybody's now starting to learn how to grow vegetables grow fruit, grow things for themselves. What are you hearing out there right now? Because a lot of things are people just trying to like figure out how to survive without going to supermarket. Exactly. Um, and I, I love that idea. We actually have seeds and grow bags for people who are interested in starting their own gardens. And I have heard that a lot of people are really interested in growing their own food. There's been an influx of members in our local gardening groups asking a lot of questions about like, how do we start? Am I doing this right? Um, what, what should I put here? What should I put there? Um, you know, what, what grows really well here? And that is, you know, it's a perfect time to engage with people who want to grow their own food. Um, and they need mentorship. Because like I said, I've failed at growing my own food for at least six years before I got it right. So, so, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I think, you know, newer gardeners need to know that because like when you ask questions, you get all these answers from so-called experts and you're like, oh, it must be, you know, like easy, but it can be overwhelming to people who are just starting out. And they're like, well, I can't, I can't do all that. So really like breaking it down into smaller steps. Um, and, you know, like I said, I grew lettuce really well. So just like starting with one <laughs> starting with one crop and that kind of took me off. And I was like, I can grow whatever I want to now. Ask me, <laughs> ask me what I'm growing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because I, I tried to grow watermelon last year and uh, mm-hmm. I'm, like, oh, I'm going to put this in the ground and let it put some water on it, you know. So it was growing. <laughs> this thing was growing, but no melon. And mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong on this. And I... I, I, maybe I got it. So I was trying to, and the guy, the guy said, I went to, I went somewhere and the guy was like, you need a male and a female seed, or you need like a, 
like a seedless seed and a seed, like a seed, seed. Like you need two different seeds to merge or something like that to make it happen. Right. Plants, and I didn't know that. Plants need to pollinate. So. Yes. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> you need some, some plants. You definitely need more than one, especially blueberries. You need more than one. You need more than one variety so they can cross pollinate and then you'll have berries. Um, some trees are like that as well, but usually there's one close enough where that's not an issue. And then, you know, having plants and having a garden, you're helping the pollinators to pollinate your food. <laughs> so right. it's like a whole life cycle that we can get into with just, just having a garden, what that does, not only for you, yourself, what it does for your community, what it does for the environment. There's so many layers to it. When, 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 when are you doing your master's class? Cause I'm going to, I want to, I'll pay $20, $30 for that class. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, I'm trying to listen. Come on now. Through and messed up everything for this year. So maybe next year, um, where, where we really intend to education is like a major focus of our programming. So we really want to have some educational programming. And right now, this pause has really um, allowed us to have you know some planning time to build some infrastructure. We're getting our greenhouse built right now. Um, we're going to be putting up some benches and tables so that when we're able to receive people, they have a place to come and. and hang and it's not just like all right find a spot wherever you can like there's an actual place for you this place was made for you and that's what i keep telling people so if you could talk to your younger self and then what do you so like what would your younger self say about you right now if you could like have a conversation what would your <laughs> younger self from new york newark new jersey brick city what would they say what would your younger self say about you right now Looking, looking at you right My now. My younger self would probably be like, who are you? I don't even know you. <laughs> who are you? And what have you done with the real idea? <laughs> okay. But, you know, I think I've always had this ambition and drive embedded in me. And I, I, um, I credit that to my dad who really like raised me to be an independent person and really think for myself and do for myself. Um, and to really like think in a big picture like think outside of myself and outside of my family like not just for like you know growing food is not just good for for us and our family it's good for everybody um and so I think my younger self would be proud um and to say like yeah girl you're doing the damn thing um <laughs> yeah but definitely there will be some questions first about like who are you and where'd you come from did you get kidnapped by the pot people because <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm gonna save that one last question. Well, you know what? No, you know we're gonna ask this question right now. How can people donate, volunteer to Bliss Meadows? How can we because you know a lot of people out here talking their talk something about they want to help and support business black businesses and you know, things of that nature. And I, I'm this season I'm making sure we put our money to our mouth and my listeners want they want to help out. I want them to volunteer. I want them to support and donate. Not just is not a flash in the pan. Let's make this happen. Where can we do? Where can we go to volunteer, donate to make things happen for you guys? Yeah. Um, so you can visit us at our website, www.backyardbasecamp.org. Um, they have a donate tab. You can just click on that and it'll send you the link 
to where you can make a donation. Um, you can also contact us through the website. It'll come straight to me and I'll respond. Um, if you're interested in volunteering, you can sign up for our newsletter on the website, which we will put out seasonally, which should be coming out soon. Um, there will be, yeah, so if you're interested in volunteering, donating, everything is on the website right now. If you want to follow us on social media, you can. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook is Backyard Base Camp. Uh, Instagram is Backyard underscore Base Camp. And Twitter is Backyard underscore Base, B-A-S-E. Nice, nice. All right, so now we're going to do rapid fire. This is rapid fire. And we're we're coming at the home stretch here. Rapid fire. I see you sweating over there, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get to get through it quickly for you. So, all right. All right. What inspires you every day? My kids. Beautiful. Um, who your favorite author? Oh, um, I'm really into um, this new series. This new series is called uh, Children of Bud and Blum. But, but I can't even talk. Blood and Bone. It's um, like an African American, well, African series. Really, it's based out of the Yoruba traditions. Um, it has it's like a sci-fi. It has a little bit of magic. Super black, blackity black, black. Um, I love it. <laughs> um, and it's by Tony. Oh my God, her name is escaping me. Um, let we can Google it. We can Google, it. Google. We can Google it. We can Google it. Come on, we can Google. Shooting yeah, like, like, Blood it's, it's and like, Bone is like the first book. It's called The Legacy of Orisha is a series, and her name is Tommy. I'm sorry, Tommy Adeyemi. Okay. So is this, is this like the Black Narnia, like C.S. Lewis style, or is it kind of like, I'm just <laughs> it's curious. Kinda like, <laughs> it's kind of like the Black uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hit up Melissa from Children's Bookstore on Hartford Road, and I'm going to see if she got that book so we can get that. Yeah, it is like a young Arthur, uh, young um, young adult series, because uh, like some of most of the the uh, the the oh my gosh, I can't talk. Most of the characters are teenagers, so it is in the young adult genre, but, but it is amazing. All right, your favorite music group? Ugh. It can be an artist or a group. It can be either one. Oh, good. My favorite artist is Anita Baker, hands down. Okay, give me the best that I got. Okay, hey, all right, baby. <laughs> Best crab kick in Baltimore. <laughs> oh, ooh, that's a hard one. I'm gonna get yelled at, but I'm gonna say Moe's, not the touristy one, the the, the one that's on like that back street. Towson, you talking about Towson? You talking about Route 40? No, I'm talking about Moe's and this downtown on the back back corner. I think uh, it's called I Alice Santa Street. Oh, you down, you know down. Little, 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 little Italy, little Italy, little Italy. Yeah, little Italy, not the fancy looking moles that looks like a boat. The one that's around no, the corner from that, that with the dirty carpet and the chip paint. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly. <laughs> that's definitely in the cut. I know exactly what you're talking yes. about. Yes. I love it. Best crab cake. What is, what is your favorite vegetable? Um, I have really started to love roasted zucchini. Okay. Your favorite city to visit? Oof, there's so many. Um, I'm just going to say Newark. It's my favorite city to visit because that's where my family is. <laughs> so, North hey. New Jersey. No problem. Hey, that's hometown. Mm-hmm. What's the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> Can I curse? 
you can go ahead do what you gotta do <laughs> do what you gotta do um there's this saying that my dad used to tell me all the time growing up um and it goes uh two tears in a bucket fuck it <laughs> i get it there ain't nothing wrong with that at all he he, he never lied he, he ain't lied. never lied. Ain't never don't lied. don't sweat the small stuff. Just you know, keep pushing, keep doing you. And is there anything last thing that you want to say to talk to you to people out there just about what you got going on? You know, this is the time to like to shine. You already been shining all the way through. But anything else you <laughs> want to throw out to the public? Because we're gonna do a round two, folks. Just so you know, we're gonna talk about these birds round two. But what are we going to? But what do you want to leave a lasting impression from what people are hearing? Because I have a diverse group of people yeah. that listen to the show. I will tell you, um, everybody listens to it. So I just not, and I like that you educating, you're educating here. So mm-hmm. what can you, what's your last, you know, your words you want to say? Um, I would like to say that nature is everywhere. Um, you know, growing up in the inner city and even living in the inner city, we always have this notion that like, there's nothing good in the city. We have to go out out of the city to find the good stuff. And I hate that narrative. I call it the escapism narrative that, you know, communities of color have to go out of their communities to find the good stuff. Um, Nature is everywhere. It's right outside your front door. There are insects, there are mammals, there are birds. Look at the birds all the time. Find you a hawk. There are more hawks in the city than there are in the rural areas. Um, Yeah, just appreciate nature. Any moment you get from the edible dandelions to the violets, to the oak, the mighty, mighty oak trees. Just appreciate nature wherever you are. I love that. I love that. And you already plugged Basecamp and everywhere else, the social media and everything else on there. Again, you guys, check the check her out. She got some beautiful things going on over there. I mean, I will tell you, Nicole, who does the market at Montebello, told me about this, what she has going on. Um, Gretchen, who does Runner for Justice, was like, you got to meet this. You got to meet her. <laughs> you know? So I'm giving everybody, they, they, these people who have been on the show, okay? Yeah. Um, Miss Mia Bloom, you know? Bloom, I don't want to mess it up, but she was on the pod, <laughs> podcast. And uh, she even said, you know, you got to talk to this lady. And I'm like, I'm, I, and just, and you know, I'm honored and a pleasure that you educated me today. And I hope you, my audience was educated also from everything you just explained. And we're going to have a part two about birds and nature because I think that's very important. I, you just blew my mind. That's why I'm like, we're going, we're going, we're going to do part two on that. Educate more people on this. Yes, and let's I'm do proud it. of you. I'm proud of you, what you're doing, sister. I love it. Uh, I love that a black farmer. I grew up, I had uncles that were uh, male farmers. I had never met a female black farmer until I met you. Oh, okay? wow. So that's yeah, so, get you me, out. <laughs> Hey, you know, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, I've never met black female farmer, you know, and now I have. And and mm-hmm. I'm blown away about just about what you were saying and how you went through the whole process. And I'm here to celebrate you and try to make more people aware of what's going on in the world besides what you see on TV or what you think, you know, you know, educate mm-hmm. people. And that's what the podcast is all about. So on that note, folks, thank you for coming on. Um Miss Tia, again, God bless. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm proud of you too, by the way. Appreciate it. Appreciate Making it. Making this folks, thing we, happen, winning awards and whatnot. Check you out. Hey, we trying. We trying. <laughs> we trying. We're going against the machine. We're trying to go against the machine. And you know what? Hey. The people loved it. And that's what it's all about. So I, I'm, I'm every day, that's why I'm trying to give better and better quality product so people understand and get educated. So that's what we're here for. All right. On that note, we out. Peace.